0: Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, August 20th, 2021, and I'm Natalia Castro from Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Today is an incredibly special show. I am in Tampa, Florida at the 21st Annual Women in Federal Law Enforcement Leadership Training. And for the first time in nearly a year and a half, my guests are sitting right here with me. We have been attending informative sessions, hearing from agency recruiters, and awarding excellence in law enforcement all week at the conference. Today, we are giving you an inside look. Today's show will kick off with a discussion with WIFL President Kathy Sands and Vice President Jesse Lane. Then conference presenter, Dr. Jean Kanakogi will join to discuss the sessions she has participated in this week and her new book, Get Up and Fight. Finally, we will be joined by two WIFL award winners, Representing her award-winning team at the Homeland Security Investigations, Immigration and Customs Enforcement is Suzanne Priest. Priest received the WIFL Leadership Award. Receiving the Outstanding Federal Law Enforcement Employee Award is Sharon McDermott, Resident Agent in Charge at the Social Security Administration's Office of the Inspector General. Before we dive in, I want to remind everyone that FedTalk is brought to you by the Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program is sponsored by the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, insured by John Hancock Life and Insurance Company under a group long-term care insurance policy and administered by Long-Term Care Partners. To learn more, visit them at www.ltcfeds.com today. Kathy, Jesse, thank you so much for joining me and for kicking off this discussion on Wiffle's 21st Annual Leadership Training. We are huge fans of Wiffle at the firm and at Bed Talk, and we're happy to have you here once again. For those who don't know, can you tell us a little bit about who is WIFL?
2: We represent all the women in the federal law enforcement sector, and there's thousands of us. Um, we got started as a nonprofit organization in 1999. So this is our 21st year. It uh, would have been our 22nd, but we had to cancel last year. And um, as an organization, our goal is to promote the uh, recruitment, hiring, retention, and promotion of women in the fe- federal law enforcement sector and in the general the law enforcement community.
0: That has definitely been felt throughout the week, this idea of promoting, recruiting, and retaining women in law enforcement. Can you talk a little bit about this year's conference theme specifically?
2: This year, we chose our theme to be Real Talk, how to address law enforcement challenges through collective strength. Um, we are, as a profession, facing incredible stressors, um, both external and some self-made And we are facing a challenge of how do we reimagine law enforcement, not only for today, but how are we going to conduct ourselves over the next century?
0: That has been definitely a theme um, throughout the conference. And I know we're going to talk about some of the different presenters and sessions that we've had that have really helped further that. Um, I want to talk a little bit to Jesse about, we talked about how WIFL is all about recruiting, retaining, and promoting women in law enforcement. Can you speak a little bit, I know this afternoon, actually, you're doing the mentorship session. Can you talk a little bit about what that's like?
3: Yes, for the last several years, Natalia, WIFL has been hosting a flash mentoring session. And it's really important because we bring together leaders across the federal sector uh, in a room to expose their particular um, interest and their particular uh, education to the people that attend the conference. So we uh, cover different categories in that particular flash mentoring. We talk about a person's journey. We talk about their challenges, how they've overcome those challenges, and they talk to those things, those, those particular ideas directly to the people that are uh, attendees at the conference. And it's really very popular. It lasts for about two hours, and there's an exchange between leaders just imparting their knowledge and wisdom on the people that have attended uh, the conference this year
0: mentorship is so important, especially in law enforcement. Having those relationships with people in your career is not only helps you advance, but helps you grow as an individual as well. And bringing together those different people to have those conversations and to provide that leadership is so important. And one of the things you've done at the conference is bring together a lot of different agencies and even different countries. You've had the Mexican delegation here as well. Isn't that correct, Kathy?
2: Yes, we have. The state department contacted us and asked us if they could bring 28 women from different law enforcement agencies across the country of Mexico. And we said, why not? It's not something we've uh, done in the past. And uh, it was a challenge and and we were all for it. And I, they have brought perspective to the classes that was unexpected and uh, enlightening. Wow, that's fascinating. And
0: along with the Mexican delegation, you mentioned the State Department helped bring them in. Can you talk a little bit about some of the other agencies that are represented at this conference?
2: Just about all of the agencies came. Uh, a few had to cancel because of, of COVID issues, but we have a very good representation. We had over 270 people. Wow, um, And they were masked up and vaccinated and socially distanced. And this was a, um, a very different conference uh, for, uh, I think, or a different training event for it. nothing like I've ever had to put on. But uh, everybody seemed to be, um, you could see their, you could see their smiles, even though they had their masks on. Um, And I think everybody learned a great deal. We had a lot of uh, issues to overcome and uh, people from different agencies uh, were the first ones to to stand up and say, Hey, I can teach this. I brought my PowerPoint with me and having a a multitude of of talented people wishing to fill in for every, from COVID to hurricane Fred, um, we were able to select and uh, everybody jumped in, and they made this a fantastic, ec- fantastic experience.
0: Yeah, kudos to you guys for being able to pull this off. I remember when I saw the kind of National Hurricane Center forecast, I was a little worried, but you know, everything really came together perfectly and it has ended up being an incredible week. Uh, We are right up against our first break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the different sessions and presenters that we have had joining us. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We are at the annual WIFL leadership training in Tampa, Florida, with WIFL President Kathy Sands and Vice President Jesse Lane. We just talked a little bit about the major themes, the attendees for this year's uh, training. And now I wanna have a little bit of a conversation about some of the different sessions and the presenters who were able to join us. And we have a very special presenter with us today. So Kathy, Jesse, can you guys kick it off with just some information about the sessions you've been having?
3: Yes, I'd like to start by saying it was a really, really challenging session on the first day called The History of Women in Law Enforcement, Challenging Institutional and Structural Racism and Promoting Social Justice and Racial Equity. Uh, we were able to get uh, two professors, Dr. Sharita Jacobs-Thompson and Dr. Bernard Demchuk, to cover the history of women in law enforcement, but then talk about police reform in the era of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. So it was a ve- very engaging conversation, very spot-on conversation. I think people were happy at the way that that material was presented, because sometimes when you talk about sensitive topics, they don't go over as well as you think, because they're so very tied to something that's going on in the country, and they tend to be very sensitive. But the way that platform was laid out, and the way they in invited people in to discuss that sensitive issue, it was really very well done. Uh, We had uh, Linda Williams, it was the immediate past president of the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, just coming off of her presidency uh, and had a lot of things to say about her platform as it relates to reimagining police We had Marcia Thompson, who's the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer for Jensen Hughes. And of course, our own Jean Kanakobi joined the conversation as one of the panelists when they introduced this particular topic.
0: Yes, Jean, thank you so much for joining us today and for participating in this whole conference. Can you talk a little bit about um, what that panel experience was like for you and what you think some of the attendees really took away? Well,
4: uh, first of all, what One thing I want to start off with was a comment that attendee told me today. She said, I didn't know what to expect when I got here, but I joined WIFL today because this conference showed me that I am cared about as a woman in federal law enforcement. She said the leadership training, the courses that were offered, the discussions, the difficult discussions that were had showed me that I am cared about. So that message solidified an overarching message of we do care. And that's why those difficult conversations and being on that panel was truly an honor because not only did I learn, but I was able to talk about having those difficult conversations and own our responsibility individually and collectively and as women. Because women, we can't have these conversations without yelling, screaming, hollering, and finger pointing. And I think it's incumbent upon us as women, as leaders, to be able to bring the communities that have segregated and separated themselves so much, we need to have that cross-cultural conversation. We need to understand the other cultures, and we need to have those conversations so that we continue understanding, remove the fear. It's ego and fear that's obstructing, that's causing the violence, that causes the anger, and it's just fueling that negative spiral. So if we all listen to each other, just quiet and listen, put our feet in the other person's shoes just for a minute, and through education, we can actually bridge that gap, that divide, that cultural, and I say cultural because it's not just race, it's culture, it's police culture, it's the, the demographic culture. So we really need to bridge that gap and and bring that divide
0: close because we re- we really
4: are as human beings stronger together.
0: Absolutely that was so well said and having those hard conversations in order to really not only acknowledge, you know, the responsibilities of police in their community, but also the unique responsibilities of women is so incredibly important. Um, Are there any other sessions that, you know, we've had that you guys would like to highlight?
2: Well, because of COVID and and everything else, we, we had uh, quite a few substitutions and of course, Jean jumped in and did a, a phenomenal job with a stress management class, uh which uh was very well received and of course well uh needed um and then uh on the fly we had enough talent to put together a uh, panel discussion on diversity Mm -hmm. um then uh later on today we will follow that with uh one of our uh favorite uh most uh anticipated classes the retirement session taught by Tammy Flanagan. So there's so many, we had, uh, everybody was just fantastic. We had Cynthia Dietl from uh, Facebook who works with me on the IACP uh, Human and Civil Rights Committee uh, talking about the color of law and uh, the issues surrounding uh, law enforcement today. And, Oh, Jesse's going to have to help me with some of the others. (laughs) Yes, we
3: definitely had a panel that was very impactful. It was called Women in Leadership, Believing in Yourself. And it was led by a special agent in charge uh, who actually was a recipient of one of the awards last year, Susan Gibson. And that session really allow people to open up and tell their truths. You know, uh, it's it's an opportunity for women to get together and and talk about their triumphs and their challenges, but leave gaining more information that they can utilize in their everyday life, especially as it relates to being on the job.
0: I'm so glad you brought up that session because one of my colleagues actually attended that session. Um, We had Susan Gibson on the show last year, and she was absolutely incredible. For any listeners who missed that show, you must go back and listen. Uh, She is such an inspiration. And my colleague, who is absolutely not in law enforcement, left and was like, this was not just for law enforcement. It was for any woman. It was so inspiring. It was, you know, talking about being in male-dominated fields and how to navigate that is such a You know, it's so important that women have a space to have that conversation, because so many women who feel alone in their office get to come to Wiffle and realize that they are not, in fact, alone. And like Jean said, there is someone who really cares about them and is willing to have real talk with them. Jean, your stress management session, I absolutely loved it this morning. It was not only so much fun, um, you are such a humorous and engaging speaker, but it was also so informative, and I would love for you to talk about, you know, what it was like hosting that session, and then what you wanted some of the key takeaways for our attendees to be.
4: Well, I absolutely loved it because getting a room full of laughter means a room full of learning. And a room full of learning means that these people were going to take away some of the tools that I brought with me. Again, it was an overview to discuss discuss emotional intelligence, how to recognize when somebody is emotionally unintelligent and how to navigate through the day with that person and know that they're, they're not hopeless. There is hope for the emotionally unintelligent and how to gain that level of empathy The other tools that I brought were resilience tools, the way to bounce back when adversity strikes, how to bounce back and how to navigate, how to take that breath and have that consequence be more of a positive experience. One more tool that a lot of people are experiencing, but nobody's talking about anxiety, panic attacks. So I brought some breathing techniques. I call it box breathing or they call it box breathing. Will you breathe in for four seconds? hold it for four seconds and breathe it out and then repeat and guaranteed you'll lower your stress level. I talk about gratitude, doing three things, writing down a gratitude journal, three things that went well for you today or three things you're grateful for. So I gave a lot of tools for people to walk away. And if one person does that to lower their stress or lower their anxiety, they had a couple of good laughs during training. My job was done.
0: That's incredible. And you um, actually, I believe you, you spoke sort of with your hat on as FLEOA, the Federal Law Enforcement Officer Association Director of Mental Health and Peer Support Services. And you noted some of the kind of avenues that people have, particularly federal law enforcement officers, for getting that type of real support. Um, can you speak a little bit about what some of that work looks like for you and what those avenues are for any federal law enforcement officers who might be listening? Sure.
4: Uh, as the Director of Mental Health and Peer Support, I try to do a little bit of everything to make life look better for our agents and for our members. One of the things that FLIOA has done is we've teamed up with Acadia Health and treatment placement specialists. Now these two guys, Bill Mazer and Joe Collins, split the United States in half. And what they are, they're both retired chiefs of police in their own right. And they work and get our members teamed up with culturally competent counselors. And when I say culturally competent counselors, It is placing you with a counselor that you can speak with that understands law enforcement, that understands what we go through day in and day out, not somebody out of the blue that will have absolutely no clue what you do. The other thing is we support bipartisan bills for mental health. We have something right now, uh, S-1502, that passed the Senate. It's waiting in the House, and that offers confidentiality for peer support on a federal level. So we don't have that right now. We're pushing for that. We also support other, again, we're a nonpartisan organization, so anything for the betterment of mental health
0: overall, especially for law enforcement, we're we're there. That's awesome. That's so great to hear. And on the topic of kind of stress management in your conversation this morning, you talked about some of the unique stressors that like law enforcement face and how their job can have an elevated stress level. For listeners who may not be as familiar with the law enforcement community, can you talk a little bit about why the stress management conversation is uniquely important to law enforcement?
4: It's uniquely important to law enforcement because aside from the daily stress, we all have daily stress. We we all have family and and commutes and and finances, but then to compound that, there is the civil disobedience where people will know you're in law enforcement and just not like you, and they'll be angry with you because again, they don't know where to place their anger, and they're angry. Maybe it's somebody who did something not right, but you're trying to do the right thing. The other uh, additional stress, and we talked about the pandemic, is COVID. So here you are fighting something that's not tangible. We're taught how to shoot and we're taught how to arrest the bad guy and do our tactics, but we're not taught with, the in, with something that's not tangible. So it's very scary because, again, this is something you don't want to bring into your home, but you have to go out there because you're sworn to protect the uh, public safety, protect public health. And then what do you do? So those stressors compounded with the everyday stressors. And then, of course, there's the bad guy stressors. You know, going up against the bad guy and you don't know what's on the other side of the door. Well, you know, most people don't go in and knock on a door and not know who's on the other side. We do. So all of those compounding with regular stressors, of course, you're going to have anxiety. Of course, you're going to not know what to do with that stress. Here I am to try to help you navigate through that.
0: Yeah. And I think there is also a unique stigma in the law enforcement community. Uh, you know, it's kind of this act tough model that FLIOA, you and Wiffle have worked really hard to push past in order to make sure law enforcement understand that they're not alone. They are human, as you discussed so much this morning, um, and they need to take care of themselves in order to be successful. We really appreciated that discussion. One more thing that you mentioned, uh, you talked about COVID and you just mentioned kind of how COVID has been an added stressor. And I loved your discussion this morning on the importance of social connectivity and this idea of being physically distant without being socially distant. Uh, you talked about why that was so important this morning.
4: Can you give us a little taste? Well, as human beings, we're natural social creatures. This is what we do. We like to socially connect. And in the presentation today, I reminded people that you really are not alone. You can physically distant but you can pick up a phone with today's technology. You can do all sorts of things. And if you don't even have anybody you don't, you know who to call, call your cable company. There's always going to be somebody on that phone to keep you on the phone for 45 minutes. And there you can socialize and they're humans too. And sometimes they don't mind the joke and they don't mind laughing with you so I, I joke about it but it's so true. Call your cable company, call your uh, whoever your phone your cell phone company and just ask them a few questions get to know them a little bit and guaranteed you will feel a little bit better having a, a human connection.
0: And you will also probably have a smaller cable bill which is awesome as well <laughs> yeah really appreciated that i thought it was such an awesome presentation this morning um, and a really great discussion you know it, it all ties back to even the mentorship that jesse was talking about in our last segment this idea that you can just call someone and, and talk to them and you Wiffle's a great place to make those connections so you can have that social connectivity. Um, it was funny I was um at Starbucks this morning and you know I'm like waiting for my coffee and there are these clearly Wiffle attendees behind me. And as people are walking into Starbucks, they're just like saying hi, and they're joining their group. And this group is like gradually getting larger. And I just like I had this smile on my face of how nice it is that these women maybe have never known each other before. But now it's like every person that walks into Starbucks is a new friend that they had the chance to make this week. So um, this was a really great session this morning. We've had so many awesome sessions. And we are going to stop here for our second break. And when we get back, we're going to continue the conversation with Jean, but in a little different context, talking about her book, Get Up and Fight.
1: Shaw, Bransford, and Roth.
5: One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. sb employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers.
1: Legislative.
5: Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients.
1: Executive.
5: Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed manager and Fed agent.
1: Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government.
5: Online at shawbransford.com. sb Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back. You're listening to Fed
0: Talk on Federal News Network. We are just entering the second half of our show with our Wiffle representatives, and we're going to be talking a little bit more with Jean Kanakogi about her new book. But the reason we're talking about it in the context of WIFL is because she actually provided an overview of the book and how it relates to both women and law enforcement at WIFL's new member reception. So, Kathy, can you just kick off the discussion with a little context about the new member reception?
2: Well, we have a new member reception or, or a members reception at uh, every leadership training uh, to thank uh, the women for and the men for becoming members, for the new members to have a little uh, time uh, to themselves where they get to meet and and chat. Uh, And this year, uh, it happened that uh, a mutual friend introduced Jean and I, and uh, as we were talking, I was trying to figure out a way to put her into the agenda and everything was filled and I thought, wow, I could try an evening with the author as part of the membership, and you know, to provide um, uh, an avenue for a fellow uh, law enforcement officer, because she is a special agent. Um, a, a demonstration of how we can uh, support um, other women. And so I asked her if she would be interested in doing something like that. And you know, we could have not only meet the author, but you know, a little book selling and, and that type of thing and some autographing. And she said, sure, why not? Let's try it. And the rest is history.
0: Yes, Jean, on top of being Director of Mental Health Services and a special agent, you're also an author. You really can do it all. Can you tell us a little bit about your book, Get Up and Fight?
4: Certainly. You know, it's so funny. I was just reviewing. I was on Good Morning America about a month ago, and Robin Roberts concluded the interview by even highlighting, and she's even a federal agent. So (laughs) it does remind me, I do have a day job. You know, one of the wonderful things about presenting at the new members reception is I was able to see the consistency of the theme of this conference and the book, Get Up and Fight, making a difference, an ordinary woman that can make a difference and do extraordinary things. And that was my mother, Rusty Kanekogi, the mother of women's judo, very brief overview, Rusty was born into a very tumultuous childhood growing up in Coney Island, Brooklyn, New York. She was raised pretty much on the streets of Brooklyn. And she found her way to judo because she met somebody and she found that to be a challenge. Rusty lived outside her comfort zone, as we do in women in law enforcement. So one of the really great things is that Rusty was so hungry to learn this sport because she found her purpose But as she was learning this sport, she went and competed, but women were not allowed to compete. So she disguised herself as a man, took an ace bandage, wrapped her chest, but she was told not to call attention to herself. Well, she couldn't help herself when she competed, she gave it her all because that's what we do as women. We do our best. In Japanese it's called gambante, do your best. Rusty won. They took her medal away from her just because she was a woman. And that was her pivotal moment. That was her turning point where she defined her purpose. And she decided no woman shall ever suffer such an indignity ever again, not on my watch. And this is when she was in her late 20s or in her mid 20s. This is where she was defining. She didn't know how she was going to change the world. She didn't know how she was going to do this, but she did. She went to Japan to study judo, and that's where she learned to embody the mantra, fall down seven, get up eight, because judo consists of a lot of throws, and she wanted to work out with the men, so they let her in the men's side of the dojo, which is the judo school, and they kept on throwing her, but they couldn't keep her down. She came back to the United States with my father, she married my father and my father's Japanese, came back to the United States and she fought to get women's judo equality. She wanted women's judo in the Olympics. So she knew she couldn't do it alone. Just like women in law enforcement, we, we can't do things alone. We need to get our team. We need our tribe. Just like the people in Starbucks, you need your tribe. She gathered all the believers for equality. She teamed up with Billie Jean King and the Women's Sports Foundation and fought for Title IX for equality in schools. She also fought for equality in women's judo. She wanted the 1980 Olympics. They said, no. She said, fine. They told her, hold a world championship. She said, fine, I'll do it at Madison Square Garden. She mortgaged our house, rented Madison Square Garden, and checked that box. She knew she was a shoo-in, or at least she thought, for 1984. Again, they, meaning the, the misogynists, the ones that didn't want women to succeed, told her No. What did she do? She tried to put an injunction on the Olympics. She went and got the American Civil Liberties Union and tried to stop everything. Finally, in 1988, she was the Olympic coach as she proudly walked into that stadium in Seoul, Korea. And that right there was her gold medal. So how this ties into women in law enforcement, Rusty was broken. They tried to break her spirit. They tried to break her physically. And just like in Kintsugi, the Japanese bowl that's fallen apart, you put it together, you put that gold inlay, and you emerge stronger. Where Rusty got her get up and fight, I mean, of course, growing up, I learned that, I heard that all my life is to get up and fight. But where she got that, she got that through her ikigai, through her spirit, through the formulation of the reason she is alive. She found her purpose, her purpose for existence. And the other thing is her kogeki, which in Japanese, is her fight, her drive, her relentless, her grit, which, which is her gratitude, her resilience, her intestinal fortitude and her tenacity. She never gave up. That is something that we need as women in law enforcement because we have to know, we have tools that we bring to the table that are so different than anybody else. And don't take no for an answer easily. Don't revel in mediocrity. Don't just settle. Don't do what, you, what somebody else thinks is right. Follow your fairness. Don't lose yourself and you too can get up and fight.
0: Oh, that was such a great overview. Thank you so much. Um, for people who are interested in the book, one of the things that I found really interesting um, is that it's written in Rusty's voice. It is. And why was that something that was important for you to do when you were kind of crafting the book to make sure her voice was heard?
4: Well, I wanted everybody to hear what, what, what Rusty has to say. Rusty had so many Rustyisms, And in her in writing the book, we went through so many times trying to think of an author to write it. But nobody can capture Yiddish, Japanese, and Brooklyn in one sentence. <laughs> so writing it in Rusty's voice, because she inspired me to be who I am today, And I wanted everybody to be able to hear Rusty's voice telling them how they can find their get up and fight, how not to settle for what's given to you, how to reach beyond. Because Rusty set the bar high because she knew each and every person could reach that bar.
0: That's great. And you talked a lot about um, kind of the relationship between the book, even though you know Rusty wasn't in law enforcement, but how it could be really impactful for someone in law enforcement. You know, a lot of our listeners are obviously federal employees, um, but for some who are just women who aren't maybe really in that kind of gritty law enforcement profession, as some might consider it. Um, what do you think are some of the key takeaways that are just more life lessons?
4: More life lessons are is her resilience because Rusty's first marriage was a bad marriage, and how she got into judo is she. Went to Al Anon to support her husband at the time, and that's where she met somebody who worked out. Rusty was an ordinary person. Rusty was you, she was me, she was the listener. Because again, Rusty had her grit and her get up and fight, her survivor ability. Because each and every person, no matter what adverse event happens in your life, that's you are Rusty. Rusty didn't just dwell on it, she kept on moving on. She picked up her pieces and kept on going. And every person that reads this book will be inspired to say, hey, I can do this. Rusty wasn't taught what was right and wrong. It was innate. That means inside of each one of these listeners, each one of the listeners, each one of us sitting around the table, we have that. We don't have to say, oh, nobody taught it to me. No, that's an excuse. You've got it. You have to find it and
3: use it.
0: And you know, along that line, you spoke a little bit about the concept, um, and I might pronounce it wrong, of ikigai. Yes, yes, that was so interesting to me. This idea of finding your purpose and finding your mission. Um, I, you know, right after the new member reception, I was like looking up everything about it, and and it was so fascinating. And I'm very excited to read your book. Um, Kathy, you kind of talked a little bit about how it was a good opportunity. You know, you were like, oh, we love promoting special agents, making sure they're heard. Um, I want to talk a little bit about why it's so important for WIFL to do things like host Gene um, and, and have these conversations and promote women in federal law enforcement, maybe the non-traditional ways like having an author come speak.
2: Well, key to it is, is leading by example we constantly talk about making decisions and supporting each other. And if we can't demonstrate it, then we're just a bag of wind. I mean, I always look for, even even in our uh, exhibit hall, for small business women in the cities we're in, to invite them into the, the, the hall, even at a reduced fee. Uh, to help support uh, that business in, in a locality and introduce them to the women.
0: That's incredible. Thanks so much. Um, I know it was definitely, you know, hearing Jean speak was very inspirational. I think it very much does tell remind women to lead by example. Um, Jean, I, I have two more questions for you. First, I wanna make sure everyone knows how they could find this book if they were interested in reading it.
4: Uh, you can get it on our website, www.rustykanakogi.com. You'll probably have to Google that a few times. But if you get it on our website, you have the option to get it autographed. You can also uh, purchase the ebook on our website, or you can purchase the book on Amazon and the ebook on Amazon. The audiobook I'm hoping to have on Audible by Christmas.
0: Awesome, and we will make sure to include a link to that website in our show description today so everyone can just check that out and make sure they can grab a copy. My last question for you, we talked, you know, Kathy just talked about leading by example and inspiring other women in law enforcement. For maybe women who have always thought about writing a book, but never known where to start or just never really had that inspiration, do you have any tidbits of advice?
4: I do. First of all, do it. Don't wait. Don't say, well, you know, if the, color, if the color in the sky is right today and, you know, there's an odd day on a Thursday and I have 75 cents in my pocket, I'll wait. No, just do it. Start writing. Don't worry about the reader. The reader will be there. Just start writing. The other thing is don't do your own editing. Edit it. I edited this book probably a hundred times and then got the red pen all over it when my editor went through it. Get a professional editor. Now, this was self-published because I promised my mom I'd get her story out. So I didn't want to wait until it got shelved or until somebody decided to do it. I did this book and I finished it during the pandemic. I took the opportunity for a negative situation of being isolated and locked down. Of course, I called my cable company a few times for conversations, (laughs) but uh, I took this book and and I got it done. And I got bill and Billie Jean King wrote the forward to this book and her, her new book all in just came out, which is great because there's so much women supporting women through all of women's sports. But I say, if you want to write a book, go ahead and do it.
0: Thanks so much. Um, in the last uh, segment of our show, we are going to sit down with two of our Wiffle award winners. And that's always very exciting for me because I went to the awards banquet last night. I had tears in my eyes. It was such an incredible inspirational event. And so this next segment is, is always one of my favorite parts of our Wiffle Fed talk show. We're going to stop here for our final break. And when we return, we'll sit down with our two exceptional award winners. Welcome back to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. We are entering the last segment of our show. Last night's award ceremony, like all of the Whiffle award ceremonies, was incredibly inspiring and just left me awestruck by the work of women in law enforcement across our nation. Today, we are joined by two of our award winners, um, and we are going to start by talking about the Wiffle Leadership Award, who uh, Suzanne Priest ha- was the recipient of this year. And Jesse, can you tell us a little bit about what that award is?
3: Yes. Um, first of all, congratulations again, Suzanne. We are very honored, and we were happy to um, present that award to you last evening. Uh, the Wiffle Leadership Award honors an individual who's led the way to developing an effective strategy and initiated an effective partnership with a pri- private sector entity in creating a system or model that prevents crimes. So that is exactly what the criteria of the award. Uh, we had a lot of entries, a lot of people uh, whose agencies uh, nominated them for this award, but Suzanne Priest is the person that we highlighted because of her extraordinary Outstanding, uh, courageous, and um, everything that she did, she she definitely deserved to receive it.
0: Yeah, and Suzanne, you were actually on a team, correct? With uh, like an HSI ice team can you speak a little bit about your team and the work that allowed you guys to receive this award
6: yeah thank you and thank you to the to Whiffle for for the selection for the award It's really really humbling and, and we really appreciate it um so yeah so for the homeland security investigations um i work in the human rights violators and war crimes unit and uh my fgm the female genital mutilation is our is the program for which we won the award um, and our team was consisted of our section chief, uh, Special Agent Lisa Fraser, um, and Associate Legal Advisor, who is the Office of Principal Legal Advisor uh, for ICE, Catherine Finley. And so, all three of us together, uh, we uh, not only educate uh, folks uh, with federal law enforcement agencies, as well as private sector NGOs, community members, uh, anybody we can get our hands on essentially um, about the FGM uh, issue the legal issues behind it. Um, And we really strive to do prevention work uh, more than prosecutions.
0: That's so interesting, because when
6: you think of federal law enforcement,
0: most people probably think of the prosecution side and not the education and prevention side. For our listeners who might kind of Feel like a fish out of water here. Can you explain what FGM is and kind of its impact right now or its effect rather?
6: Yeah, especially right now with the COVID, it's, it's kind of a become kind of a shadow pandemic behind COVID mm-hmm. because during COVID with the lockdowns, a lot of these children, minor female children, you know, under the age of 15 are really at risk of undergoing FGM, fgm cutting circumcision. Um, and it is a gender-specific cultural issue um, that is done in 29 countries in Africa, the Middle East, Asia, um, in the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and places like that. Um, it's done all over the world. Um, but there is a very specific population that is at imminent risk of having this done. And with the immigration, um, immigration to the United States from a lot of these countries, the children who are here from those communities are at imminent risk of having FGF done, not only abroad, um, but also here in the United States.
0: And your education and outreach on this has been to other law enforcement um,
6: agencies, groups. Has it also been to the public at all? Yes, ma'am. We've done um, church events. We've been out to universities. Uh, Every time we go out to uh, a Homeland Security investigation office to train our, our special agents, We always invite the community members. Uh, We work with our community uh, relations officers to uh, coordinate an event. And we will actually go there and and host a a training uh, event on FGM and also give them resources on where to look for uh, survivor assistance and things like that. And we usually invite a survivor to come with us uh, to help share their story as well. Wow,
0: that's that must
6: be so impactful. And, it really and is.
0: certainly uh, you know, incredible leadership, very much deserving of this award. Thank you for all that work. Oh, um, thank you. As someone who is, you know, recognized now as a leader for women in federal law enforcement, do you have any messages to other women in federal law enforcement right now? Um, you know, the,
6: the big thing, especially for me, um, is you just have to go and do what you love. Uh, you know, and and Don't listen to the naysayers and the people who won't let you do things. You have to find your own path and you have to make your own way. There's no one to blame. You just have to make it happen for yourself. Those
0: are great words of advice. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Um, And again, for all of your incredible work in this space, extremely deserving. Thank you very much. And uh, we also have our recipient of the Outstanding Federal Law Enforcement Employee Award, Sharon McDermott. Can, Jesse, you give us a little overview first of what this award is?
3: Certainly. Um, Again, I'd like to extend congratulations. Well deserved, Sharon. We're very, very proud of you. Thank you. From the WIFL leadership and the organization. Uh, The Outstanding Advocate for Women in Federal Law Enforcement Really, that's, that award speaks for itself. Uh, it's an award that recognizes a person who is an advocate, advisor, and leader in the continued support of women in law enforcement. And that's what we need. We need people citing and acknowledging the contributions of women in a uh, profession that is, is mostly male. But women still excel and they exceed in this profession. And that's exactly what Sharon has done uh, and, and is definitely deserves to receive this
6: award.
0: Absolutely, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you talk a little bit about your work um, at the Social Security Administration's
5: Office of the Inspector General? Sure, uh, thank you for having me today. And thank you to Whipple for the award. It was uh, quite an honor to be among uh, an incredible group of women. Um, At the award ceremony last night, listening to all these accomplishments uh, was just really inspiring. There's some extraordinary work being done out there, and uh, it was really satisfying to to be included in that. Uh, With regard to what I do with the Social Security Administration, I supervise a group of people who uh, investigate all forms of social security fraud, and in particular, with regard to the award, it was... uh, It was nice to be recognized for some of my favorite investigations over the years. Um, And the reason why they were my favorite is because a lot of work that investigators do tends to be solitary, looking at records and writing reports and you're working by yourself. But these cases in particular were very collaborative. Uh, They were large-scale investigations. They involved uh, several agencies and really uh, they were the type of investigations that were not done uh, before. It was paving a new path, uh, coming up with new and creative ways of investigating. Uh, there were just things that were not done before, so there was no script to follow. We kind of had to figure it out on our own, and, and it was it took a small army to put these cases together. Uh, we had to uh, work with many people within our own agency and outside the agencies and uh, develop new ways of investigating um, over several years. And uh, we were fortunate in having success with those cases. So it was really satisfying to me to be able to collaborate with so many people and have everyone really on the same team focused on uh, the same outcome.
0: One aspect of your work that I found really interesting when they were talking at the award ceremony last night um, was how you assisted in charging someone who had was fraudulently obtaining Paycheck Protection Program loans of over five point six million dollars. Now, the PPP loans were part of COVID nineteen relief, correct? Correct. So, I, you know, you talked about this idea of having to kind of innovate on the job with all of this COVID relief that was distributed, particularly the PPP loans. How did that kind of that uncharted territory and navigating it and ensuring that the money distributed went to the right end um, kind of impact your work?
5: Well, our work was impacted simply because of COVID-19 to begin with every which way we worked changed, you know, the way we reported to the office to the way we, uh, work together, you know, maintaining social distance and protecting each other uh, and staying healthy, that just impacted the day-to-day operations for any case. And then this in particular, you know, this is a program that was designed to help people in need. And, uh, you know, it didn't take long before some bad actors found ways to take advantage of that and use it for their own enrichment. So uh, it, again, it was a new type of fraud that we had not encountered before. I'm, you still have the very same basics that is a thread through all fraudulent activities but it was a new program and uh, again very collaborative in working with several different agencies um, and uh, the team did a great job they, uh, they really pulled it through and, and, uh, and were able to charge that individual
0: Yeah, it's really incredible how you you know you obviously received this award, but you keep going back to this team, this collaborative environment. Uh, It really speaks to you know as a leader being able to not just look at yourself but look at all of the people you work with. Um, It's really commendable, and you know thank you for all of this incredible work. Uh, Particularly as you mentioned, looking at things like the PPP loans, which are meant to help people in need, but there is always someone trying to take advantage of that. Um, As you know. this recognized, outstanding employee, what kind of advice would you have to other women in law enforcement?
5: I think my comments would mirror Suzanne's. uh, You really just kind of have to keep your head down and keep the white noise out and figure out what your goal is, what you're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, Again, talking about teamwork, you can't be afraid to work with others. I mean, uh, one of the benefits of coming here is networking with other women. Uh, but in general, you, you don't go it alone. You, you just have to work with other people to improve the outcomes in the end.
0: Yeah, that collaborative environment, you know, both of you discussed how important that is. And, you know, we talked even in the beginning of this show about this kind of theme of women coming together, supporting each other, women supporting women, um, and how valuable and, and important that is. I want to ask Kathy and Jesse, you present these awards every year to so many different incredible award winners. What does that really mean for you guys and for WIFL to be able to deliver these Awards to very worthy recipients like Sharon and Suzanne.
2: I'd say I'm humbled. I'm, you know, I've been around for a long time and just reading the write-ups, the nominations from the agencies, you I sit there and say, Oh, I wish I could have done that in my career, or boy, that would have been a really interesting case to investigate. And by the same token, sometimes I sit there and say, Oh, I wonder if I could have you know, would I have been as brave as they were, you know, or would I have just fallen on my face type of thing?
0: Oh, absolutely. Jesse. anything to add?
3: Yeah, it's just really a privilege and an honor to be a part of an organization that allows women to be in a setting where they get their just due. You know, they work hard, um, they bring their A game, uh, they give their everything to their organizations, and to have them in a room like that it is just amazing, the this, this synergy and the ability to recognize them for something that they rightfully deserve. It is something that kind of binds us together as human beings and as pers- people and, and women. It, it just gives you a sense of, we're doing the right thing here. And from a WIFL perspective, that's exactly what we hope to achieve.
0: Absolutely, very well said. Definitely doing the right thing here. Um, Kathy, I'm curious, have you guys looked to WIFL 2022 yet? Do you have anything to tease that maybe our listeners should be excited for? Well, look for us August
2: next year. Phoenix.
0: Ooh, Phoenix. Oh man, I'm so excited. Okay, everyone. So that was your message. Look out for more coming from the Whipple and the Whipple Foundation about the 2022 leadership training in Phoenix. That is all the time we have for our show today. I want to thank Kathy and Jesse and the entire Whiffle team for another wonderful Whiffle leadership training. Jean, Sharon, and Suzanne, thank you for joining me today and for all of your service to our nation. Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend.